So we'll, we'll look at part two today. And if Aisha could have us begin with the Fatiha. Okay, thank you. So let's let's jump right in. So part two of the seal of Muhammadan sanctity. So we'll look at that. And I think if we we may be able to uh, conclude and culminate everything now. And it's really been a, a nine month situation. So uh, lots of metaphors of pregnancy and deliveries and births are coming across on this one. So, <laughs> and it's been nine months that we've been meeting like this. <laughs> so let's have a look. So we're talking a lot about mothers then, human mothers. And uh, Klaus, if you could read this uh, poem, we've read this before, it's so important. It's the poem that begins five, chapter 560, 560, the last chapter of the Futaha, when Ibn Arabi puts everything together, when everything culminates. And this is the ending of the first poem that he does for that chapter. So, Klaus. And he has none but you to be a site of Tajeli for his most beautiful names. So do not quit your place and do not depart. I am the fertile feminine ground for whatever he delivers as a midwife in us. So we are ever praising God. There is not in existence any man who is biologically unable to bear the tajali he delivers as a midwife. Indeed, the man, the one's culture designates them as such, they are actually the fertile ground. So they are my soul, and they are my hope. Okay, beautiful. So with this image, we have all of us human mothers and being attended by the divine midwife. And Ibn Arabi is telling us that the divine midwife is helping us, assisting us with all the divine names that are passing flush against us and through us. And we are then giving birth to these beautiful images of the divine. And so we are all these human mothers who can carry this beautiful divine image moment from moment to moment. And the divine then is the one who is assisting us to bring forth these beautiful divine images. And the one who seals this and culminates all of this is the one who is going to tell us to identify the mothers. And so Ibn Arabi speaks about himself here, up in this corner here, among them is a single one which is not in every time period, 
So he's looking at all the different special beings throughout their time periods, how many there are, uh, who they are. And uh, when he says these particular ones are 40 souls, someone asked him, why didn't you just say 40 men? And he says, because they're women also. And so these are the ones he's listing. But in the beginning of this list is the number one is the seal. And he's going to say, there is a single one and that is the Muhammadi seal. The rest, they are in every period, not fewer and not more. As for this seal, this is his time period. So he's talking about himself. And then the next thing he talks about then, the family of the path agree that these friends, these awliya, are ranked in six metris, metrical or matrical, whatever we're going to say, degrees. Tabakat umahat. So that is the mothers and their steps on the ladder. So tabaka are these layers and steps and degrees, and the umahat are the mothers. So these mothers are in degrees and in layers, and they are the, the pivots and then the leaders and the pegs, the cardinal points, the alternates, the ones who come and go, and there's always one there, the nukaba and the nujaba, noble ones and, and exalted chosen ones. And so let's look at this word ummahat and ummah. And I've been translating ummah, which is the community as the mother community, because we have to hear ummah. We have to hear mother. And so in the, just in the descriptions of the words themselves of um and the derivatives, uh, we get so many of these uh, images that Ibn Arabi uses throughout. And one of them, the sta statement that the, the ummah, ummahat, the mothers are shatta, are all different uh, because all of their times are different. And so this is interpreted as the prophets, the mothers, their religion is one and their laws are different. So the prophets who are these mothers, their religion is one and their laws are different. Or it means their times are different. So their mothers are one, but their times are different. Okay. And the um al-kitab, the mother of the book, so this is the Fatiha is the mother of the book. And Ibn Arabi will say when he's describing this Mohammedan seal and describing himself, he describes himself in the poem as the Fatiha. So the Fatiha is the um of the Kitab, the mother of the book. And that's how he sees himself as the mother of the book. This other word then is the seal which often has the connotation, or we, we put the connotation of it, uh, sealing something, it's, and that's all there is to it. And you think about an envelope, you stuff a bunch of pages in the envelope, then you seal the envelope and nothing else uh, can happen. There's nothing else, whatever has been written inside, that's done. There's no more anything coming out of it. There's nothing dynamic or living, it's just sealed and closed. But that's not the way the word itself uh, presents itself. And so we need to be careful of putting on our own ideas about what the seal and sealing might be. 
So Ibn Arabi is calling about the, talking about the seal and says, he is one, but not in every time period. No, he is one in the whole world. God sealing by him, the Muhammadi authority. So Khatam is this word seal or uh, also culmination. There's a, a number of, of meanings that we tend to not hear and that they're very much present when Ibn Arabi is using this word. So Khatama, there's a, a statement or a prayer that you might give saying, if God wishes, may he seal over your heart. So sealing over the heart immediately, we might think, oh, that's you know closing it down and, uh, and keeping it from expanding and going out places. But it, no, it means may he fortify your heart with patience against their insults and lies. So protective seal. So now this becomes a protective seal. So the person who is the Mohammedan seal is the one who is protecting what is carefully uh, enclosed and culminating in this seal. And khatam al the Quran, when you do a khatam or a sealing of the Quran, it means you've recited the Quran from the first to the last, and you've made it manifest between the shoulder blades. We'll look at this again. So sealing means to hold it from the beginning to the end and then protect it and then making it come out manifest between the shoulder blades. And khatam is also then what the bees do when they fill the comb with honey. So when the, when the hexagons are filled, they are, they, that's called sealing. And so this sealing is what restores and heals so that the comb is full and protected. And then khatama azara is also then to turn the earth over the seed and water it. So turning the earth over the seed and watering it. So the seed can't grow unless it's been sealed and covered and protected by the soil. And then mother earth protects this seed, which then when watered can then grow and blossom and bloom. So sealing then is what's necessary for this seed to grow. So it's not the end of anything, it's in a sense, the beginning of the things. The same way the mother is protecting the baby so that it can then go on to be something and to, and to have all of these experiences. So this seal of this Mohammedan authority is going to take what the, this authority, the light of Muhammad has presented and has shown us and who is the culmination of all these Prophecy. Okay. Um, let's try this. Okay, is, is the sound coming across okay now? Okay, good. Yeah, I want to, thanks for <laughs> waving frantically. Yeah, I see uh, Hamida Noor and Gloria and Klaus, so yeah, and Baki, so do, do do that, help me out with that. So this Mohammedan seal is going to be the one who takes what the light of Muhammad is the culmination of, and then going to help us understand how that is applied in every time that we have, in every time period that we're in. And so these are all of the themes of the Futuhat, all of the themes that Ibn Arabi brings out, that everything is pure at root and 
and only impure by, by chance. I don't know what the word change is there, chance. So happenstance. Um, so everything is pure, everything is good, everything is lawful, unless something has been designated as unlawful or something is temporarily impure, in which case then it can be quickly changed back into pure. So notice the worldview difference that we have between this. Ibn Arabi keeps saying, there are people who look out and all they see is the unlawful and the impure, and that some things are pure and some things are lawful. And he says, no, it's the other way around. Everything is lawful, except if something has been made unlawful for a moment or for a situation. Everything and everyone is pure. And then you may go into a place of impurity, but since your root is pure, you can return to it quickly and rapidly. Ibn Arabi is always telling us there is no hardness in the religion. There is none of this strictness, this, this uh, anger, strickening and straightening. There's none of that in the, in the religion. And Ibn Arabi keeps telling us that the Prophet told us, go to what eases you. Leave what gives you disquiet and go to what eases you. So you know yourself what is right. And so go towards that. That will make it easy for you. And take a fatwa, take your legal decision from your heart. Even if the muftis have made their decision. So even if everyone said, this is the way it goes, you go to your heart and say, what is my decision for this situation? And then whoever practices a sunnah, which is beautiful, so all of those, and he uses the word, the Prophet uses the word sunnah, whoever makes a sunnah, which is beautiful. And so that means that the sunnah, the way of the Prophet, is something that we all can be making to no end, always, always, always. And so there is no finishing or stopping or cessation of the sunnah, because the sunnah is ever growing and ever living. So every time I do something which is good and other people follow that and say, this is good, we like it also, then we have created a sunnah. And that then is the sunnah of the Prophet because he's the one who said, make a sunnah, which is beautiful. And that's exactly what we did. So it is a prophetic sunnah. And then independent evaluation, ijtihad, is that we work with ourselves, we struggle with ourselves, we make our efforts to find out what is the way that things are and what should I do? And what should I do? I, if I have two choices, I make one choice. If the choice turns out to be the wrong choice, I'm still recompensed for it. So that tells me whatever I do, I should do something and I will be recompensed with it, even if I've made the mistake. And if I don't make a mistake, but I do do the right thing, then it's doubled for me. And so it's, it's expanded and magnified for me. So whoever is the seal of the light of the Muhammad, this is what they'll be saying all the time. And of course, this is what we see Ibn Arabi always telling us how this law is applied. Okay. Uh, I think we'll have, if Omar could recite the verse and the trans. 
بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم يا أيها الناس إنا خلقناكم من ذكر وأنثى وجعلناكم شعوبا وقبائل لتعارفوا إن أكرمكم عند الله أتقاكم إن الله عليم خبير صدق الله العظيم O humanity, indeed we created you from a male and a female and made you into people and tribes so that you may know one another. Surely the most noble of you in the sight of Allah is the most righteous amongst you. Allah is truly all-knowing, all-aware. Now, the Prophet was given six six uh, things that were not given to anyone else. And one of them is the universality of his prophecy, so that his prophecy will be universal. It's for everyone of all times. And another one is he had the all comprehensive word. And that was he was given words that he could then see within these words, entire truths that, are are, that are, have been woven inside. And so Ibn Arabi uses one of these examples uh, as halaknakum min dhakarin wa untha. So halakna is we have created, kum is the second person plural, min from dhakarin, male, wa and untha, female. And Ibn Arabi says that all of the realities of, of birth are presented in this small clause in this single clause here. And so he reads this, we created you, meaning Adam Eve, the clump, the lump of clay. We created you. And we created you a mother. So Adam, we created you a mother, um. And this works because you see how there's a, a dhamma on the M there, on the meme. So there's three M's in this clause. So we created you, Adam, as an um, and we created you, this Adam-Eve lump of clay, a mother from a male, so that Eve comes from Adam. So a mother from a male. And we created you a mother from a female, Jesus from Mary. And then the rest of us get included, and we created all of you from a male and a female. And so this is the embracing culmination of this clause is that it explains and tells us where everyone is coming from, where Adam Eve came from, where Eve comes from, where Adam comes from, where Mary comes from, where Jesus comes from, and where the rest of us come from. And the culmination of this uh, male and female is in the description that Ibn Arabi gives us about the male fluid and the female fluid during at, at, uh, at reproduction. And he says the natural scientists of his day uh, think that only the male fluid has any consequence. And so this is, of course, you know, he's, he's hearing the, the patriarch. He's saying only men are important and therefore only their fluid is important. And he says, it's not that way. He says both fluids come down into the womb and depending how they, they drop, how, how, the, how these fluids drop, they move this way they move this way, or they move straight down, 
or when the, and then when they're going straight down, they can still have a move to this one and to this one. And some will actually go all the way down straight, all the way down straight until the, the birth in the womb. And the ones who have moved this way are the feminine, the ones who have moved this way are the masculine, and the ones who have moved this way are the juntha, the intersects between these two places. And so everyone is in somewhere on this range in this spectrum. So there isn't a male, female, and then something else. There is everything is in, everyone is in this spectrum, in this range somewhere. And another way that Ibn Arabi takes the smallest of clauses and then shows how looped inside this clause are multiple truths is this statement from Quran, Laysa kamithlihi shayun. So Laysa is there is not, and ka has two meanings. One is at all or intensive. And mithlihi means his missile. So like him, and in order you say misla and yeah, masla and things like that. Shayun, a thing. So the first way to read it, or one way to read it, is there is not a thing like him at all. So there is not a thing like him at all. The other way is that ka then becomes a relative. And so it's like, someone like. And then misli, missal, is a projected image, a likeness. So if someone draws, a, sketches a picture of me, I might say, that's a good likeness of me. So the picture that you've just drawn might be a good likeness of me. So that's a likeness. And so his likeness, whoops. Okay, did we? Did it come back on? Up. Yes. Is it back on? For now, yes. <laughs> for now. <laughs> well, kind of ominous for now. You, well, you just said a few words, so we need to know a little longer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank you. So, <laughs> there is not like him anything at all. So, we in the Arabic, it's this order, but in English, we have to mix them. There is not a thing like him at all. The other way of reading this, there's more than one ways of reading, is that ka, instead of being intensive, is relative. And that mythal means a likeness. So if I have a sketch of me, that could be a good likeness of me. So a likeness is something that's, that's a projected image, a sketch of me. So then the sentence, the clause reads, there is not like his projected likeness, a thing. So there's nothing like his projected likeness. So what this one small clause does, says there's Allah and there's nothing like him and there's us and there's nothing like us. So it gives us, it gives two sides of the story. And in the same way, this the ikhlas is the surah. Ikhlas means to be sincerely or utterly devoted. 
So ikhlas means that is the statement that is utterly devoted and gives exclusive information about one thing. And so ikhlas, this surah here, that one gives it exclusive, it's exclusive to Allah and it's exclusive to us. So read as exclusive to Allah, it says, say, who is Allah one? Allah, the one to whom all direct themselves. So samad is resorting to and directing yourself to. Not giving... Yeah, kind of, again. Uh... Yeah, I think... Yeah, it says, oh, your, interconnect, your internet connection is unstable, you think? <laughs> okay. Are we, are we back? Is this okay now? Okay. So not giving birth to not birthed, who has no equal in anyone. So this is ex that is the way to read exclusively for Allah, exclusively for the divine side. It's also exclusively for this side. And so who is the all comprehensive name, Allah. So when we read that he taught Adam the names, all of them. Then Adam is the all comprehensive name. And the all comprehensive name is Allah. So who is, that is the all comprehensive name Allah is one. And so we were all created from a one soul. So in the Surah of the Women, we are created from a one soul. This comprehensive name directs himself back to the who. So the comprehensive name has to go back to the that, to essence, for its continuing existence. So the that is the one which gives meaning and names to all names. So this lump of clay, Adam Eve, <clears throat> does not give birth. The lump of clay does not give birth. The lump of clay is separated into male and female, into Adam and Eve, and then birth takes place. But before that, this lump of clay does not give birth. And Adam Eve was not born. So this lump of clay was not born from anything. It doesn't give birth and it wasn't born from anything. So Adam Eve, this who, has no equal in any divine one. So there is no equality between ourselves here and the one. So this is the way to read this surat ikhlas, purely devoted to the divine side and purely devoted to the creative creation side. So the culmination of all the laws is in the light of Muhammad, and then the culmination of the application of the laws, which is fiqh, the application of these laws, is the seal of Muhammadan sanctity. And so what we find Ibn Arabi doing for us is he says, look at the law, 
and he shows us one uh, part of the law or one statement or law in the law, in the revelation. And he explains to us and he shows us how it is universal, how it applies everywhere. And so the universe, <laughs> So Amar, are you on the internet? Amar, Amar. Okay. Okay, let's see, does that help again? <laughs> so the, the culmination of, of the application of these laws is the seal of Muhammadan sanctity. And the way that Ibn Arabi guides us to see the universality of these laws is by showing us and teaching us to follow the names. So on the issue of the leadership of the women of the prayer, the imama, the leadership of the woman of the prayer, he says, follow the names. Women and men are kamal. So we have statements in Revelation that women and men are kamal. So perfectly complete. And then we know that to be complete is to have nubuat and nubuat is prophecy, which for us is the true vision, the dream vision. And someone who has who is Kamal and has Nabuat is someone who informs humankind about God and is an Imam, an exemplar of the people, a person whose example is followed, that is the leader in prayer. So because we are each of us are a cosmos, a universe in ourself. We all of us have the man, the woman, and the child in us. And so we are a universe in ourselves. So this law is a universal law because this particular individual that I am have all three of these uh, characters in me, the male character, the female character, and the child character. And that's why we say we, when we say you alone do we worship. And that's why we say we depend on your help for all of us, meaning all of my body, the man in me, the woman in me, the child in me. And so in this particular example, Ibn Abi will say, the male intellect is told when the soul, the woman is tired of following you in things that bring you closer to God and tired of emulating you during the time of your leading. And since placing her in front is something permitted for her to lead you, then follow her and pray behind her, watching her, lest she fall under the snare of the unruly child. So Ibn Arabi is telling it, is giving a very, which should be a very familiar feeling, not only in myself, but in my community. But in myself, I will have an intellect and I will be able to say to the intellect, you know, the rest of us are tired of following you. So why don't you sit down for a change and this woman of me will lead the prayer. And then that everything will work out just fine. So this cosmos that I am is then universal. So all of this then becomes universal. So not only are, is the law, which is universal uh, in the Prophet understood and applied by the seal of Muhammadan sanctity, the virtues are as well. So that is character, behavior, and the virtues.
And the Prophet was saying, I was sent to complete the generous virtues. And Ibn Arabi says he did that. Everything that is a character or characteristic, he has shown it to be generous virtue. So even a, a characteristic like envy, he showed how it was a generous virtue. So envy is bad if I envy someone and want something that they have and it's not belonging to me and I don't want them to have it. That's an envy and which is blameworthy. But the envy when I say, oh, my neighbor has the strength and ability to sit up all night reciting Quran, I envy him that. I wish I had that. That's now a generous virtue. And greed, of course, is bad if I want to take things away from people and I never uh, have enough and I want more, more, more. But it's a generous virtue if what I want is knowledge and I want more and more knowledge. So the Prophet ﷺ was sent to complete the generous virtues. And Ibn Arabi teaches us how he did that, how he made all characteristics ones that are generous. And when, and in his discussion of virtues and behaviors and, and states, he will often tell us that this is something like uh, to, to, uh, to do dhikr, to utter the, the perform dhikr. Um, he'll look at shukr, gratitude. He'll look at reliance, patience. And he'll then say at the next chapter will be abandoning patience, abandoning great gratitude. So for all things that he that are done on this particular way for gratitude, there is the abandoning of gratitude. There are times when you abandon thankfulness. And so that is a completion and a universality of all of these characteristics and all of these ethics. And the Prophet was told that he is the kind mercy to all of the universes and all of the worlds. Uh, Omar, could you also uh, recite this one for us? So Omar could recite and I'll, I'll take my video off. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Inna fi hadha labalaghan liqawmin abidin. Wama arsalnaka illa rahmatan lil'alameen. Qul innama yuha ilayya innama ilahakum ilahan wahid. Fahal antum muslimoon. Indeed, in this Quran is a message for people who are worshippers. And we sent you only as a kind mercy to the worlds. Say, what has come to me by inspiration is that your God is one God. Will you then be ones who submit? Sadaqallah al -Azim. So this... Uh idea of mercy to the world, Ibn Arabi says there was a time when he went to the ruler who was going to uh, execute someone. And when he gets there, he says, the, the king says, I, I cannot forgive this person. I've got to execute him. So Ibn Arabi says, I laughed out loud. And I said to him, you king, by God, had I known that in your kingdom, there was a sin which could rise to withstand your overlooking of fault, and could thoroughly overcome such an afua, 
this uh, overlooking a fault, I would not have interceded for him with you at all. And I would not have had the belief about you that you are indeed a king. By God, I am just one of the common Muslims. And by God, I cannot see in the entire world any offense which could rise to withstand my overlooking an offense. So, okay. This mystic traveler comes from the desert like the angel Gabriel filling the horizon, striding with great intention, Uwes al-Karani, hoo, 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 His name is Hither, his name is Mehdi, he is immortal Idris and Shemzi. He is Allah's holy friend, Uwes al Karani. His name is Rumi, his songs are Sufi. His attent of Abraham, pure Wali of Yemen, dressed in robes of burning white, this exalted pilgrim. Drawn by the light of Yarasulallah, he encounters Fatima, her father at the Kaaba, the mother, his mystic guide, pure wisdom of Allah. When returning home, the Rasul sees his light. Give this lover my green cloak. His sweet fragrance reaches me from the land of Yemen. Amina Taslima, mother of Tarika, greets this radiant friend of truth as Nura Dinjerahi. Every saint and every peer, Uwez Akarani, the face behind every face, Uwez Akarani, the light beneath this robe of flesh, Uwez Akarani, golden letters of Quran, Uwez Akarani, Kutub and concealed Imam, Uwez Akarani, the cause of Rasul's burning love, Uwez Akarani. There we go. We've got the whole tabakat ummahat, all of the layers of the mothers, right in that one ilahi. <laughs> so the messengership, which was discontinued is the descent of the divine rule to the heart of the human being through the intermediary of the spirit, just as we settle. That is the door that is blocked shut. And that is the messengership and prophethood that is discontinued. As for casting dictation with no lawmaking, that is not restricted, nor is divine notification concerning the validity of an established rule or its corruption. This is not discontinued. And Ibn Arabi will tell us, he'll cite some hadith and he'll say, this one is corrupt. It is not authentic. 
And this other one, which people think is not authentic, is indeed authentic. So that has not stopped. And he is the one who teaches us these things. It is the same for the descent of the Quran onto the hearts of the friends. It is not discontinued. So they have a tasting of the descent. And that is what the prophet was alerting to us uh, concerning someone who memorizes and preserves the Quran, meaning according to this facet, prophethood has been inserted between his sides. And learn, may God assist us and you, that the Quran is a renewed sight descending flush against the hearts of the reciters of him forever and ever. No one reciting him who recites him except based on a renewing descending from God, the all-wise, the all-praised. So the, the Quran was sent down upon the heart of Muhammad, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. It never stops being sent down upon the hearts of his mother community until the day of arising for judgment. Thus its descent onto the hearts is new, never getting old. So it is the perpetual revelation. The seal is what allows us to have mother earth cover these seeds so that the seeds will grow and grow perpetually. A green banner flies in the heaven of life, the messenger of mercy. Beneath its banner shines the heaven of life, the messenger of unity. Cry to your shade, the antimate of truth. God meet you, the great master. Cry to Koran, the living word of truth. Guide me to that great master. His humble saddle made of death for his heart, the red rose of delight. His holy feet have touched the essential realm, filling it with sweet light. Comes out to me in radiant dream, supremely beloved Mohammed. Melt me within the flame of your love, supremely beloved Muhammad. Okay, so this labor is getting a little bit long. It's not one of those very quick labors, but uh, things are happening. So uh, Aisha, if you could read this for us. Aisha was, sorry. <clears throat> Aisha was asked about the character of Messenger of God and she said his character was the Quran. There is no verse in the Quran, but she has a property in the heart of, his, of this slave because the Quran descended for this. Messenger of God used to, in his reciting of the Quran, when he passed through a verse of good fortune, she would rule him to ask God for his excellence and he would ask God for his excellence. And when he passed through a verse of torment and threat, ruling him to take refuge in God from it, he would take refuge. And when he passed through a verse magnifying God, she ruled him to magnify God. And he glorified him with the character which this verse gave him, the praise of God. And when he passed through a verse of history and what came to pass, the divine force in the centuries before him, 
she ruled a heeding of the lesson, so he heeded her. So this is exactly looking over the verses of the Quran and understanding him. Thank you. So when the Quran is recited, uh, even during the prayer and especially during the prayer, it becomes a conversation. And so the Arabic Quran is recited and then in one's own language, a reflection is called for. And so when a reflection is called for, you reflect. When a praising is called for, you praise. When something to take refuge in God is called for, you take refuge in God. When a lesson has just been given, you heed that lesson. So it's a back and forth in two or more languages. That's the recitation of Quran. So look into the Quran through what, through what he sent down flush against Muhammad Do not look into it through what he sent down to the Arab in Arabic, or you will be disappointed with not perceiving its meanings. So he is Ibn Arabi, but here's, listen what he says about the, the Arabi, about the Arab, about Arabic. Or you will be disappointed with not perceiving its meanings. Indeed, he sent it down in the language of Muhammad وسلم, as an Arabi language, clarifying Arabi Mubin. In this Quran with this language, he sent down the peaceful spirit, that's Gabriel, peace upon him, flush against the heart of Muhammad Thus he was with this language and Quran, one of the ones making us aware, that is one of the teachers. Therefore, when you speak of the Quran using that language, which he was using, Muhammad the speaker, you go down a notch from that understanding he had to an understanding of the contemporary audience who heard it from the Prophet Remember in the third part of the night, we will have more mysteries and more knowledges and more knowings than the ones who were his contemporaries. You see, in fact, the address is commensurate with the capacity of the audience, not with the capacity of the speaker. So if an audience comes which has more capacity than the previous audience, we will receive more because the speaker is not limited. And so our capacities are there to expand. The hearing of the prophet and his understanding of the Quran is not the understanding of the audience of his mother community of the Quran when they are reciting it. This is a very positive thing. That is, they are going to the place, the special face, where the prophet himself received the revelation because it's been put behind their back in between their shoulder blades. This is a fine point, which I've not heard before this from anyone before me. She is far from intelligibility, and in her is that which is unapparent and concealed. So Ibn Arabi is saying, there's no one before me that I've heard saying these things. And in fact, there's no one after him saying these things until he seals this and gives us the culmination of this. And then after that, we then see what has been culminated and what has been sealed. So we know that there are 114 surahs of the Quran and sometimes people ask, why are there only 113 of these verse of these chapters, which are started with Bismillahirrahmanirrahim? Where is the 114th Bismillahirrahmanirrahim? Well, Ibn Arabi tells us the, this four, 114th uh, Basmala, Bismillahirrahmanirrahim, 
is carried by the mother Bilqis. So she says, Innahu Rahim. Bilqis says, it is in the all-embracing name of, she probably used the word al, which is the, the word for God in her language, the supremely compassionate, the mercy, merciful. So Bilqis carried as a mother the 114th Bismillahirrahmanirrahim in her own language. She carried it in her own language and she gives it in the Quran as Bismillahirrahmanirrahim in the all-embracing name of Allah, the supremely compassionate, the merciful. And then she says, when she sees the throne, she says, it is like it is it. And knowing has been given to me. And so the, what we have, we, we come here to the expression of all of this, what Ibn Arabi uses, the image of the mirror. There's a, when, a, when a baby smiles, uh, there's a tremendous amount of intelligence that creates that smile. So when you beam at the baby and the baby smiles and beams back at you, you can think about what does the baby see? The baby sees this beaming smile, you know, 18 inches away. And the baby sees that and you see this beaming smile. So you don't know who's who. And so in the mirror, of the mu'min. The mu'min is the one who is, is as they were created, from their mother, ummi, from their mother. And everyone created from their mother is created perfect, complete, faithful. And only afterwards things happen. But they're, they're created pure, complete, perfect, faithful. So when you look in that mirror, that person sees you and you see that person. And you say, when I look in that mirror, I say, it's, it's not me, it's someone else I'm looking at. But then I say, but the view is the same, it's me. And it's not not me. One, two, three, it's me, it's not me, it's not not me, one, two, three. And then when that person looks at me, they say, oh, it's not me, but it is me. And it's not, not me. One, two, three, one, two, three. Three plus three, six. Six is the sign of the wav, the and. So it's joining. So when these three, when this process takes place, it's me, it's not me, it's not, not me. It's me, it's not me, it's not, not me. When that takes place, there is a joining and a restoration and a healing. And then if Allah is the one who acts behind you, so that you are a khalifa, which means that Allah acts min khalfa from behind you. Then when you look at the mirror, it's me, it's not me, it's not me. And the one behind me looks and says, it's me, it's not me, it's not not me. So we have three and then the three and then the three from the behind. Three and three and three and three and three and three. So this process of looking at this mirror is the restoration and healing of all of the pain of separation. So the pain of separation, when instead of being inside your womb, it's now 18 inches away from you. And that pain of separation, and instead of being the inside and then being brought out into this world and separated 
we then are restored by joining that same process of looking in the mirror and seeing that it's me, it's not me, it's not not me. And they look back and say, it's me, it's not me, it's not not me. And from behind me, looking at that same mirror, it's me, it's not me, it's not not me. So that's our full circle. So thank you, Shue. First question is, why don't you capitalize the word who? Uh, in the translation I have, like the who gets a completely different font. It gets the Zapino font. So it's a big, small H and a, and, a, and a U and the H reaches over to the line above. And it's quite, uh, quite amazing. So it uh, very much sticks out. Um, uh, but I do that when I typeset in InDesign. And so before I typeset, it's just HU like everything else. <laughs> so. Okay. Um, why does Bilkis carry the 114th Bismillah? What significance of that? Well, the significance is that the mother in her own language carries the 114th Bismillah. And that tells us that the culmination, the sealing, the final 114th is done not in Arabic and not uh, in contemporary with solar Islam and by the mother Bilkis who carries that. And so uh, this is the very fitting uh, culmination of the Basmala, of the Bismillah Rahman Rahim, that it would come in one's own language. And oh, the font is Zap, Zapfino. And we also use the Zapfino Arabic. There's a Zapfino Arabic as well. And then I also use Palatino, which is uh, Nadine, uh, Nadine Shaheen. She's, uh, and she studied very much the Zapf, Hermann Zapf's, Zapf's, I get good said there, Hermann Zapf's <laughs> is fun. And so her Arabic is very much, uh, you know, honoring uh, this Hermann Zapf's, his own Zapfino uh, font. <laughs> What is the seal of prophethood? Why is that seal at the back? And what does it mean that each of us carry the seal of prophethood? So what, the culmination of prophecy doesn't take place during the life of Muhammad Sallallahu It takes place when he is invisible again, because the light of Muhammad is invisible, visible during his lifetime, invisible again in our time, and then visible on the last day when he intercedes for the entire mother community of all human beings. And so the sealing or the culmination of that prophecy is only known after he is invisible again as the light of Muhammad And the one who is the seal of that sanctity, of that authority, then is the one who you shows and gives us the application of the universality of that uh, prophecy. And so the universality is given by uh, the seal of the Mohammedan sanctity. Ibn Arabi says that is me. I have, I have been the seal of Mohammedan sanctity in my time period. And that is showing us and opening us into the place where this revelation is universal. And Ibn Arabi, alerts us to that with the imagery of mothers 
And so that, that this, the truth that we need to know that Allah is communicating with us, that communication takes place by prophets, mothers, and messengers. And the one who can seal that for us and show us that that seed has been protected by Mother Earth and now is blooming and blossoming, that is the one who tells us that this communication from the divine has always been and will never not be and is. Can you explain the phrase ab abandoning of gratitude? So the no, everything is connect. Everything that that Ibn Arabi has shown us is that all these words and laws and verses of Quran, all of them contain within them all of the truths that we need to have. And one of the truths that we need to have uh, is to is to see how these letters are working. So shukr has sh one letter k and r if you rearrange these word these letters the way in arabic grammar it's permissible to do so you get shirk sh i r k so shukr is thankfulness and thankfulness means i am thankful for something you have done so there's two of us in the equation i am thankful for what you have done but there is only one. And so it is shirk to say that there's two out there. No, there's only one. And so I need to abandon thankfulness the moment I realize that Allah is and there is no other. La ilaha illallah. Wow. Um. So Hazreti Ibn Arabi rahmatullah alayhi is not the only seal of prophethood? Question mark? Uh, well, so yeah, he is the only seal of prophet and we only need the one. <laughs> and uh, just the way when Muhammad came down, we only need the one. He, he gave us everything we need. There's not any need to open up the envelope and look for some more things that are might be in there. It's all been culminated. And the same way with Ibn Arabi, it all is culminated once you once he has put our attention to this place to see that the Quran is the Prophet and that when we emulate the Prophet then we are communicating with the Quran. And when we are communicating with the Quran, we're communicating not in Arabic, but in our own language with the divine. And so once we have been pointed in that direction and we can absorb that and learn that, there's no more need for anyone else to come in and say, oh, but there's some more things I want to add to all of this. We already have it. And it's, it's all there. And just the way the point, the dimensionless point is, the, is behind everything. And so this is, the, this is pointing us to the source. And when we get there, we get there. And the people over this historically who said, oh, I'm also the seal of the Muhammadan sanctity. You know, okay, well, we, we kind of know that that's what happens that, you know, men stand up and say, I'm the best. And so, so that's happened also with Ibn Arabi. But from my point of view, it's quite easy to say, we got all we need to get. And so this is the pointing us to who the light of Muhammad is, to who the Quran is, and to who Allah is, there it is. <laughs> Isn't the phrase, this is our time guided by the light of Muhammad, peace be upon him? 
Right. So that's so this is our time when when all of these things which were mysteries and were were spoken of, but in secret secret ways have now come out when the seed which has been growing and strengthening under the Mother Earth now can 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 break out and come through. Uh, now it is our time because now uh, what was hidden is now revealed and uh, it's it's and the the god who is distant is now in the night of our sky you said per ibn arabi everyone is born faithful so can we conclude that everyone is born in nafse mulhima i.e faithful and during childhood we descend the, to nafsi amara by the time we are 18 or so we have already swallowed the snake and we need a rider on horse to beat the snake out of us, as Rumi puts it. Right. So that's so we're all created perfect, complete, faithful, pure. And Ibn Arabi says that is the root condition of everyone. And then something happens to us, and we need to then return to the root, to return to how we are. And he has many examples in the Sharia, in the law, of how you return to wholeness. And how you restore, uh, restore to health and soundness, and it's all, of course, because Allah turns to us and we turn to Allah, and that's the lesson from Adam onwards, that Allah turns to us, we turn to Allah, and we are restored. And this is completely different from a worldview that says everything is impure and some things are pure, everything is bad, some things are good, everything is you know unlawful, some things are lawful. Other way around, everything is lawful until one or two things are pointed out, this one's unlawful for now in this situation. And that you're, and that I can then deviate and say, oops, I made a mistake, and then be turned back to facing Allah. And this, and being, being pushed, pushed off and then turned back to Allah is why I'm here. Because Allah says, if you did not offend, and turn to me and ask for forgiveness, and I would forgive you, I would go to another people and they would offend and they would turn to me and I would forgive them. So that's why we're here, that, that we, can, we always need to have something that pushes us out, makes us impure or incomplete, imperfect, mean for a moment. And then we return very quickly back to our source. So this returning back to the source is returning with the light of the Muhammad and that's why it's our time. We now know that this is this pureness and this completeness is the basis and that we return to it. I love the profound explanation of Surah Ikhlas, both from creator God and the creation Adam Eve profound. Yeah, it's, it's, when I first came across this in Ibn Arabi and he waits till book 27 or something to do it, you know, and he doesn't really introduce it. He just says, this says this, that says that, that says that kind of way I did. And you say, what? Because <laughs> all we've been taught is that this is all about God and, and exclusive to God and all of that. And it is, but it's also about us exclusively and exclusiveness, that's ikhlas. And so uh, the key to this, Surah is in the word ikhlas. It is devoted exclusively to one side or the other, and there's no mixture of the two. So we are nothing like Allah, and there's no divine one that is like the one that we are. 
and Allah is the divine one and there is no one like the one he is. He's not been born and he does not give birth and neither does Adam and Eve, does, is, has never been born and does not give birth. And then after all of this, they separate and with separation, then suddenly you get births and being birthed and all of that. Omar, you'd like to say something? Uh, no, that's all right. It's, it, it got covered since I, oh. since I put my... Okay. Yeah. Um, thank you. Can you say more about the word wa and its meaning? Join, restore, heal, and the numbering? Yeah. So wav is uh, the number six. So six is the number, wa is the letter wav. And wav means and. So it's the conjunction. It's gathering together, bringing things together. So this and that. So the and brings two things together. And what what it's what Ibn Arabi says is everything is three. So it's three and three and three and three. And this uh, is a restoration because it takes something that is separate and it joins them. And so when we are separate, when Allah looks at the mirror and I am the image, my image is separate and far away from Allah. And my image is, Allah says, it's me, it's not me, it's not not me. So this far distance, this separation from the divine uh, is the pain of wanting to return and to be restored. Um, and so it's like the reed that gets plucked from the, the water. Didn't we discuss that all last night with Rumi? So the, the nay that, that it's when it's plucked from the, 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 the waterbed, uh, it longs for its home. And so the longing to return to the source is expressed as the image longing to return to the image maker. And so, and yet the mirror, which is the cause of separation is also the means of rejoining and restoration. So the mirror is given to us so that we can look in the mirror and know that we are not separate, that we are restored. So when the beaming baby looks at you with a smile and you look back with a beaming smile, they are one and the same smile. And the mirror allows us to see that. So when I see the other who is smiling at me, seeing me the way I'm seeing them, then a restoration takes place. And that's the wav, the and, because this and me, we're now not separated. And so this is how the separation uh, is, is restored and it gives us the way to be separate and not separate at the same time because the mirror has to be there and the separation has to be there and the way to, re to rejoin and recover the source is to be seen in the mirror and to see in the mirror. Can you say any more about how we can be restored? So uh, what, what the, when that person is looking at you and you have to remember that they're seeing the way you are looking at them, they're seeing you. Um, because when most of us, we, we see out and we don't see ourselves in the whole picture, we just see out. So we need to then restore who we are, that here's a place which the other person is seeing. So when I see something good in someone, 
that's a way of that person saying that good is in you. So that beautiful smile is my beautiful smile. And so I, that mirror helps me see what I cannot see in myself or by myself. And so the mirror is a beautiful way of having myself and its, and its beauty being seen. And the same way Allah makes the mirror so that Allah can see itself. And so being able to see oneself is the process of creating the image in the mirror. And then the back and forth goes, you are and you are not me and you are not not me. And the other one looks the same way and says the same three things. And then behind the back, so the, if you're a Khalifa, then behind your back, Allah is also looking at that mirror. And then you realize that that person is seeing you and Allah behind you looking at their mirror. So that's the restoration, how one can be not separate while they are in one sense separate. What's the difference between these roles, the seal of Mohammedan sainthood, seal of universal sainthood and the pole? Well, there's a, yeah, the many different ways of, of, of looking at all of that. And I've, I've kind of concentrated simply on the seal of Mohammedan sanctity. Um, then Jesus is the one who seals this other kind of, of, of nabuat of prophecy. Um, so that gets us into something else. And we already had a, a long labor, so I didn't go into that also. Um, does Hazrat Ibn Arabi Rahmatullah Alayhi mention more about the mystery of Bilkis and her being half human and half jinn? Yeah, he, well, he, he, I think he goes in the one place where he, one of the places where he talks about her, he, he, he is not sure about this idea that her father was a jinn. And so uh, he goes into a lot of different things there. Uh, the key is that he said what she is identified is the ka'annahu hua. It is as if who is who. And so as if who is who is saying who is who and who is not who and it, who is not not who. So that's, that's where he sees. So she has in a sense uh, encompassed this entire uh, vision of the mirror that she, that the one that you see in the mirror is you, is not you and is not not you. Um, if it, a new beautiful Sunnah isn't it coming from the Nur Muhammadi in me? I mean, isn't it the Nur Muhammadi, Salah Wasallam, who is creating that beautiful new Sunnah? E.g. if I put my hand over my heart every time I see the face of Sheikha or the Sheikh, and yeah. others see this and follow me in doing so. Right, right. So, so what Ibn Arabi jumps into this whole question of, of Sunnah, what is a Sunnah? And what is a prophetic Sunnah versus something else? And he says, well, any sunnah which is beautiful is a prophetic sunnah. And someone will say, but that sunnah was established after he had passed away. So how could it be his sunnah? And Ibn Arabi says, because his sunnah is that every sunnah, wherever and whenever it is, is a beautiful sunnah. And therefore, it is my sunnah. It is the prophetic sunnah. And that's how this, uh, the sunnah is alive and lives and never ends. And the words of Allah, we are told to be and we are. And then the next moment, be and we are, be and we are. These are words of God. And the words of God will never be exhausted and never come to an end. 
So this is the completely different way of understanding all these things. Ibn Arabi has sealed that by saying, let me put Mother Earth gently over the seed and water it so that you will see that you are a word of God and that you, the words of God will never cease and that you are the active creator of sunan, sunnas, and they, will, and they are prophetic sunnas, and they will never end. Um, could you please speak about the place of the heart and humility, i.e. where the truth is to be found, versus the intellect which encourages the ego and often turns away from the truth? At the end of the day, is the key of the potential of sainthood not to be found in the heart, I mean in the ability to always seek the truth by turning the attention to one's heart. I mean asking the heart rather than the mind or someone else. Right. And that's why that is that absolutely the intellect is the one that tries to bind us and cannot understand what's truly going on. And so the heart is the only place and the only instrument which can understand what's happening. And that's why the Quran is descending onto the heart of Muhammad Sallallahu and never ceases descending, ever renewing on the hearts of his mother community. So the heart is always the place where the Quran is descending, which means the words of God are descending. And so with this descending, then we, the heart then is the mother, which the midwife who is divine is helping deliver what's going to come next. And so that, and the intellect has no ability to do that. The intellect is a faculty like the other faculties. And since most of our faculties, hearing and tasting and smelling and seeing are in the head, we think, oh, I want to be the head of everything. And I want to be ahead of everyone. And I want to be the head man of my tribe. And head, 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 brain, brain, brain. And so uh, as the bumper sticker says, I used to think my brain was the best part of me until I understood who was telling me that. So that's definitely we got to figure out who's telling us that my head is the best part of me. So it is hard. And that's why we never say, this is me. We say, this is me. This is me. We don't say, this is me. <laughs> So joyous to have my heart feelings validated today. Alhamdulillah, and yeah, alhamdulillah. bless you. <laughs> and, and one more question. Um, intellect is male, soul is female. Who is the child within us? Yeah, that we, we've been, I've been discussing with the, uh, one of the dervishes about this, who that child is. Um, Ibn Arabi has a few different ways of looking at this, who this child is. One of the ways is the idea of sabi and sabi sabia is to incline and so the idea is that that we as as a certain kind of children of us when we are a certain kind of child we are inclining to things that we think will be good for us and they might not be the ones that are good for us so we develop as we grow up we develop this overseeing spirit that looks over and says, watch out, that's not good for you. Or don't do that, that's not gonna be good in the long run. And so the part of us which wants to do things and just jumps out and does it without asking what's good for me and other people, that's the part, that's the kind of child that he's talking about in this case, and that we all have that. So it's all some part of the self, um, but it might be more of the ego self or the arrogant self or the intellectual self. And so that self um, has to be restored to the natural beauty of 
the self, which starts out and is at base, uh, complete, perfect, faithful, and good. So. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Thank you. It's been good to see everyone. Wow. <laughs>